that we would experience the cleanliness of heart as we come before you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, I'm going to read a psalm for us because I, this psalm was in my heart this morning. And it's a psalm of praise. Psalm 100 says, Shout to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is good. It is he who made us. We are his. We are the people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter in his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues throughout all generations. Amen. Amen. And as we start this morning, I want you to, um, to be cognizant of that, that we're coming with gladness and with joy. Thanks, Mike. All right, Broadway, last week I told you that you should come this week ready to pray. And uh, the reason for that is that throughout our time together this morning, we are going to be praying for ministries in our church and individuals in our church who are uh, ministering in different ways as we begin our new year. Um, Our four key characteristics of the church are steadfast worship, healing community, uncommon unity and faithful witness and over the course of our time together this morning myself or simps is going to give a short word a devotional and a challenge around those four key characteristics and then we're going to invite some people forward some representative ministries underneath those umbrellas to pray for them and for the work that god's doing in them and the work that god wants to do in this coming year and to also hear some testimonies around those areas as well And uh, so we have so many ministries that are happening at Broadway. We can't possibly pray for every single one or every single person that's involved in one thing or another. But these are some ministries that are representative of of some of these areas that we're going to be praying for uh, this this morning. And so I want to begin today uh, with steadfast worship. And I would like to ask for you to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. Romans chapter 12. 1 and 2. Paul writes this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. When Katie and I first attended Broadway to check you all out, about 10 years ago now, about 10 years ago, um, we, we left the Sunday morning worship service and we began telling our friends and family as they were asking about our experience, about what it was like. And the word that we used to describe Broadway was responsive. There, there was a sense that we had that people were leaning in to the sermon that was preached and to the music that was being sung. That people weren't just sitting back and watching something happen up here, but were actually responding and engaged in worship. And I just want to remind you of that 
spirit that is here at this place because it's been a couple of years where we've sometimes been online. Some people are here. Some people are not here. And I don't want us to forget that spirit of being responsive to the Lord in worship here on Sunday mornings as well as in our day-to-day experience. I think that responsiveness that's expressed here on Sunday mornings is representative of the responsiveness in your life day-to-day. Because it's not just here on Sunday mornings where I see my brothers and sisters here at Broadway responding to the Lord. I see you responding to the Lord day by day in the way that you live your life. In the way that you are, are saying yes to God, as Pastor Bob would often say, in responding to some ministry that he's laid on your heart. I remember when I, when I first came here, there had been some... Over time, there were some people that were feeling a little bit frustrated that their gifts weren't being used in the way that they felt like they should be. And the image that I had at that time was that, that in some ways Broadway had become like some embers at, in, in a fire, and that God had called me and the leaders at that time simply to kind of blow on those embers and to see them come to flame. And over the years, we've seen that happen as different ministries have started, as we've uh, done major renovations on our church property, as we've seen people uh, engaged in small groups and engaged more in the life of community and um, the kind of healing community that we want here. And so I just want to, to remind us today, as people of steadfast worship, to continue to respond to God to be responsive to what he's saying and doing here on Sunday mornings and to be responsive to what uh, he's saying to you each and every day, that that is your spiritual act of worship, responding to him with your body, uh, with, your, with your actions, with everything that you have, your, your time, your talent, your treasure. Let's talk about our call to be a healing community. Turn to John chapter 20. I'm going to read verses 21 through 23. John 20, verses 21 through 23. This passage comes after the resurrection of Jesus. The disciples are still pretty confused about what's happening, and they have locked themselves um, in the upper room um, out of fear for their safety. And Jesus appears to them. And he says to them, Peace be with you. And he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. The church, those who are filled with God's Spirit, the church is the place and the people that are meant to be where people actually experience tangibly grace and forgiveness. As, as our brother Bill Kalenbeck often says, that we are to be Jesus with skin on to other people. So this grace and forgiveness that we talk about Um, is sometimes hard to understand or to know or to really believe.
believe in the deep parts of our soul unless we've had another brother or sister reach out and extend that forgiveness to us or proclaim that forgiveness to us or express that forgiveness in some very tangible way to us. And the church is called to be that place so much so that Jesus says these words that's really hard for me to even believe are true. That if you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. What can that possibly mean? Other than that the church has a great responsibility to extend the experience of forgiveness to people around us. We need other people to experience the deep healing work that God wants to do in us. Brain science and psychology in recent years have called up with, come up with something called attachment theory, which is this idea that our, our brains heal, our wounds heal from our past when we become attached to other people, and that that's actually a necessary part of our healing. This is something that's so pervasive in the Bible, so ubiquitous in the Bible, that we almost miss it. It's, it's there almost on every single page. That we experience healing through relationship with God and through relationship with other people. And so we are, are called to experience healing from our spiritual wounds, um, experience healing from our physical pain and suffering, to experience healing from our, our past hurts from the church or wherever else it might be in relationship with others. And so we believe we're called to be a healing community. And so I want to encourage you in this new year to be willing to move toward others and to make yourself known to others, to open yourself, to become more vulnerable than maybe you've been willing to be before, uh, to allow yourself to be known and to experience healing in new ways in your life in this new year. Um, I'm going to speak a little bit about uncommon unity, uh, but I'm going to do a lot of scripture reading rather, and we'll speak a little bit, but spend a lot of time in scripture. Just want us to hear, so you can sit and listen and hear what scripture says about unity. There are more than a hundred texts that speak about unity, that call for unity in, this, in the Bible. So I'm going to pull out a few to read here. Psalm 133. 1 through 2. I'm reading from the Amplified Bible. It says, Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ornament poured on the head and ran down the beard, even the beard of Aaron, the first high priest, that came down to the collar and the skirts of his garments, consecrating the whole body. 2 Timothy 2.23 he says, but refuse, shut your mind against, have nothing to do with trifling, ill-informed, and edifying stupid controversies over ignorant questions, for you know they foster strive and breed quarrels. Matthew 18, 19. He says, and I tell you, if two of you on earth agree or harmonize together, and make a symphony together about whatever or anything and everything they ask, it will come to pass for it to be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 13. It says, For just as the body is one, yet has many parts, and all the parts, though many, form only one body, 
So it is with Christ. For by one Holy Spirit, we all have been baptized into one body, spiritually transformed and united together. Whether Jews or Greeks, Gentiles, slaves or free, we are all made to drink from one Holy Spirit. Since the Holy Spirit fills each life. And I mean, the human body, as we know, has got different, different cells that make it. It's got different, there's DNA that holds the body together. These cells are, are all, they, all the DNA cells are the same. They look the same in each body. That's why you could find the same DNA in the hair, the same DNA in the toenail, wherever it's the same. But the, prob- the, the difference here is that the body itself has got different parts. It's held by the same thing, but it's got different parts to it. So is the church. We are called to accomplish purposes with the same thing inside, but different on the outside. So I've got an, an illustration to show you here. Can we go to that Smarties picture? I know Smarties are very different here in the U.S., and I've said this to the youth over and over again, what you eat here is not Smarties. <laughs> These are Smarties. <laughs> so Smarties, um, are li- they're almost like M&Ms that are chocolate um, on the inside. They are all different colors. They are all in the same box. You don't find the red sitting on its side and the green on its side, the yellow on its side, no. But most importantly is that in that mixture, <laughs> I, I've had this experience before I blindfold people and ask them and feed them smarties from each different color and ask them, what color are you eating? Couldn't tell because they tasted the same. Believers might be different in our gifts and our callings, but we should taste Jesus. We should taste the same. Why are we tasting different? What is inside is what counts. The color of the smarty does not really make a difference. And I want to ask you today and, and encourage you and challenge us as the body of Christ. There is diversity in the body of Christ. We are different in different ways. God has created us and given us different gifts. But he calls us for the same mission, which is to make Christ known. We are called to be a city on a hill. We are called to be light to the world with our different gifts. And how does that come about? By having these different colors and different situations and different ideas and different thoughts, being able to live together in harmony and produce that taste of Jesus in everybody who comes to contact with us. That's our common goal. God created us differently and put us together as a church differently so we can complement each other. Not to compete with each other, to complement and work with each other, to build the body of Christ. We are different parts of the body, but we have the same function. Glorify Jesus with your gift. Glorify Jesus. The only thing that pulls us apart is our pride because it makes us think we don't need anyone else. What makes somebody think they don't need somebody else is because they have got pride. The moment I start to think that I am an island, that's pride. And that's a sin. That's the sin that brought Lucifer down, pride. 
And I want to encourage us as the church that we are called to humility. And humility is coming together and being under authority together. And I want to encourage us to step into humility, which brings unity. And I'm going to close with the scripture. John chapter 17, Jesus is praying for the church. And then we're going to go into communion together. We'll leave that smartest picture up for some time. So it reminds you of what we're talking about. John chapter 17, 20 to 23. Jesus prays for all believers. And I want you to listen carefully. This is Jesus himself praying for us as a church. He says, I do not pray only for these alone. It is not for their sake only that I make this request. But also for all those who will ever believe and trust in me through their message that they may be one just as you father and i are one that they may also be one with us so that the world may believe without any doubt that you sent me i have given to them the glory and honor which you have given me that they may be one just as we are one i in them and you in me and they may be perfect and completed unto one so that the world may know without any doubt that you sent me and that you have loved them just as you have loved me that's jesus praying for the church in our differences there should be unity in the midst of diversity the church is one of the miracles of the church is being together in our differences we see God's hand and his miracle in that people who are not supposed to be together normally would be together because there is one thing that unites them. It is Christ. Lord, we thank you that you call us to unity. And we share the same bread, same body, same wine, and same blood as a sign of unity. But I pray that you continue to heal divisions in the body of Christ as a whole. May we be witnesses by our uncommon unity with one another. In Jesus' name. I'm going to invite um, Ryan to come up and share a little bit about um, about ministries that we don't really get to see up here in front a lot. Before I do that, I, I want to share a little bit of a, a testimony regarding uncommon unity and the way I have experienced that in my own life. At my previous church in Vancouver, there was a, a woman named Jing Wang. She was a, an immigrant from China, and her and her daughter Susan had become very dear to my wife and I. And um, one evening, we had a, a big Wednesday night uh, supper and Bible studies at that church. And after we were finished that evening, uh, Jing asked if she could talk with me, and she brought me over to the side, and she, she drew a picture of a champagne bottle with a cork in it. And she said, Ryan, here are the things that I've watched you do tonight. And then she made me turn around and like look at all the room, and she goes, that person could have done that. And that person could have done that, and that person could have done that, and that person could have done that. And she said, you are the cork in this church. 
It's bold <laughs> and very true. It was very true. God has given me the great gift of having two associate pastors here, uh, Pastor Rick and Pastor Sims, who both do a very good job of not being the cork and are very good examples for me of how to not do that. At the same time, um, there's been some lessons learned from me over the last year, by God's grace. Um, after, after Luke resigned back in the spring, we had seven different people who stepped in and said, um, I'm willing to, to be a part of a rotation of leading Sunday morning music for worship on Sunday. And then after uh, Pastor Rob retired, we had seven people within a week who were ready to go and helping lead the seniors ministry. And we also have another group of people who are now leading visitation ministry. And so I began asking me, myself the question, am I being a cork in any other area? What do I need to get out of the way of? And I believe there's some ways in which God is calling me to kind of uncork the bottle here and to allow the gifts of the Spirit to, to run. And I think that one of the things that God's calling me to do is to begin to, to, to equip people to preach and to teach. And uh, that that might be something we might be seeing in the next year or two or three years is to see more of God's people uh, preaching and teaching. So I ask you to pray for me about that, as well as for us to see other areas for ways that the gifts of the Spirit can come alive here. That is really the heartbeat that I have for our church is to see every person using their gifts uh, to, to their fullest. And so I just want to, to say that that's a direction that the Lord seems to be leading us. And I want to give you a challenge of what that might mean for you as a congregation member. Um, when you don't have someone who uh, is able to give their, most of their full time to organizing music and organizing a worship team, uh, sometimes Sunday mornings may not run as smoothly as usual, or uh, it may not be quite the performance that we might expect. And I just want to say that that's okay, and that's good, and I think it's good for us also to have a group of diverse, different kinds of leaders. Um, Paul and Annie lead in their own way, and that's different from Christy. And Steve Wilhoff leads differently than Ben and Lisa, and that's a good thing for us as a congregation. And so as a church, I call you and I challenge you to be, to be flexible as you come here, that it may be different. It may not always be as, as smooth or as, uh, uh, I don't know. You know what I'm saying, I think, okay? And in the same way, as we are training preachers and teachers, I've preached almost a thousand sermons in my life. I'm not getting any better. Like you, I, I'm, I'm, this is where I'm at, okay? You, you've seen the peak, all right. So, but there's other people who need to begin to get some reps in preaching and teaching in order for their gifts to grow. And so that means that sometimes you're going to come on Sunday morning in the future and you're not going to hear someone who's preached a thousand sermons. You're going to hear someone who's preaching their first. And that's going to come with its own unique gifts and challenges for all of us. Uh, there, there are churches in our city that are doing really good work that on Sunday mornings, it looks really good. And they are meeting a particular group of people, a particular kind of people in our church who, who, who go to church because of that. And they, they need that for their spiritual life. I don't believe that that's the kind of church God is calling us to be at Broadway. I believe God is calling us to be a, a church that releases the gifts of the spirit, even when that gets messy and doesn't always look very yeah. good. 
Yeah. So just be praying for this move, which I think is God's work of his spirit. Um, you know, when it comes to, to leading worship or certainly preaching and teaching, you know, we want to make sure that someone is called to that, that they're trained and equipped for that appropriately. Um, certainly when they're preaching or teaching, that they will be, uh, make sure that the doctrine is okay and that there's, that there's consistency there, um, but that we want to see the gifts come alive. And so please be, be praying for that. A few more things to say and a couple more prayers to pray regarding faithful witness today. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 3, 15 through 16. Peter writes this, But in your heart set, a pri- set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. We spent this past fall talking about our call to be faithful witnesses, and this is uh, certainly, uh, it's important for us, as Peter says, to be ready in a moment to share the hope that we have in Christ. And we also talked last week, uh, um, last fall, about how being a faithful witness is also about our own our own actions and the way that we, that we act in the world, how we demonstrate Jesus to the world around us. So it's through our words and through our actions. Our call to be faithful witness, I want to suggest to you, also is possible only if we are people of steadfast worship, healing community, and uncommunity. That those three things help us to be and prepare us to be and equip us to be the faithful witnesses in the world that we are called to be. The world needs people who steadfastly worship Jesus. The world needs a healing community, places where they can come and experience forgiveness and grace. And the world needs a people of uncommon unity. These are the things that will make us a community of faithful witness. Would you stand? God, we thank you for this good day, and we pray that as we go from this place today, that you would fill us with the love that comes from the Father, that we would know the peace that comes through knowing Jesus, and Father, that we would be filled with the power of your Spirit. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.